This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Turning your Bibles to our, our anchor scripture, it is found in Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 6. And it reads, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so we've been talking about ministering to the family. And, and um, you know, again, I'm just going to recap very, very quickly. There's a particular place that I want to get to today. And I, I wanted to make sure that, that you understand that where we're going to get to today is we're going to get to peaks. It says that if, if when you're careful for nothing, but that you submit all things to God in prayer and supplications, that the reward for that is peace. And that's the place that we need to get to in our families, is we need to get to the place of peace. And so, in, in ministering to your family, you have to consider that the whole of man is spirit, soul, and body. And so, in ministering to your family, you can't just allow yourself to get so focused and so, uh, so, 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 uh, so settled on just one aspect of the family. You have to minister both to the spirit, to the soul, as well as the body of the family. And we talked about that there's different different roles that, that these aspects of man that, that you have and, and within within the spirit, what speaks to the spirit, what speaks to the spirit of man is the Holy Spirit that is God and is of God. And the role of the Holy Spirit in the family is to lead. The Holy Spirit sets the direction. We said that the role of the, of the soul in the family is to weigh and to consider. The role of the soul in the family is to weigh and consider. The, the, the soul is neutral. There's no such thing as a good soul or a bad soul. The soul is neutral. What the soul does is it processes information. And, and, and based on the information that you provide your soul, it proposes solutions. If you put your eye on and consider evil things, your soul will propose evil solutions. If your eye is single and focused on the will of God and His promises, then your soul will provide righteous solutions. They'll say, well, how can we get the will of God accomplished? Your, soul, your soul's sole responsibility is to, is to weigh and to consider and to propose solutions. Now, in your body, that's where action takes place. The role of your body is to act. In your body, that's where action takes place. You know what? My, my soul can, can, can want to urge me and encourage me to do something all that, I want, all that it wants to. But until I actually take action, I haven't done it. I, ha- I have not done the thing. Your, your, your body is actually an expression of what's going on in your spirit and in your soul. Your, your body, it says, this is, this is the information that we've been receiving. This is what we've been looking on. And this, these are the solutions that we've been considering. And these are the actions that we are now taking. 
And we said before that the body is for the Lord. That the body is for the Lord. Your family needs to present themselves as living sacrifices. Holy and acceptable unto God. Holy and acceptable to God. And just very quickly, because, because we, we want to get to this place of peace. I want to remind you that we talked before about anxiety. That there, there, there are three specific things that we wanted to make sure that we understood in, in, in this, this, this understanding of, um, of being anxious for nothing. Is that, is that we need to seek the Lord in all things. In order to be anxious for nothing, we need to seek the Lord in all things. Number two is that we need to develop confidence in what God will do. Because what God will do, God will do. What God will do, God will do. And only God can do. We said that we need to seek wisdom, strength, and mercy according to the role that God has given each member of the family. And just very quickly, when we talked about anxiety, that's an uneasiness of the mind. So that, uh, that, that it, what it does is anxiety serves to rob your focus. That it's a brooding fear. That, that it causes you to doubt the results. So that when you should have put forth strength, that you hold back some in reserve. And we gave you some examples about how... how um, in, in Genesis chapter 29, you can look at verses 31 through 35, how, how, how Leah was trying to please her husband by having children. And she had Reuben, whose name translates into seen. And she had Simeon, whose name translates into heard, that the Lord has heard, that surely my husband has, has, has heard my cries. That she had Levi, which translates into attached. It says, now my husband will be attached to me. And he wasn't. And finally, when she had Judah, his name translates into praise. She says, you know what? I, 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 I've gotten past what his reaction is going to be. I've gotten past looking for his favor. Now I will praise the Lord. Now I will praise the Lord. And yes, she went on to have other children, but, but when she got to this point where she says, you know what, it doesn't matter what his reaction is. It doesn't matter what he considers. Because my sole intention is to praise the Lord. That she was able to find some peace in her life. Some of the things that we talked about, what God will do, and I ask you to, to meditate on Psalm 103. Where it talks about, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. We said that, that, that the Lord, that he provides forgiveness. That only he provides forgiveness. That only he is able to provide release. That he, only he is able to provide pardon. That the Lord provides healing. He provides restoration. Number three, that the Lord provides redemption. That he is the deliverer. That he is the one that purchased us from the debt of sin that we owed. That the Lord, this is number four, he provides rewards. He provides position. He crowns. 
with loving kindness and tender mercies that the Lord provides satisfaction. That He provides contentment with what is, with what is now present and contentment that He has in His hands and in His control those things that will come in the future. We went on to talk about seeking. Seeking. And in seeking, because the body is where action takes place. As, 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 we, as we begin to take actions, we need to understand Lord, what are the actions that, that what is it that I need to do? What, what is it that I need to, to wait on you for? What is, my, what is my role in this particular situation? And so we said that we need to seek wisdom, strength, and mercy according to the role that God has given each member of the family. And we, we talked before about wisdom. And asking God for wisdom, we said that God, God, He has the answer. And indeed, God is the answer. Just know that God has the answer and know that He is the answer. In seeking wisdom, we, we, we seek wisdom to do His will. We're not seeking wisdom to change people. We're not seeking wisdom to change situations. What we're seeking is wisdom to do His will. See, you have, to, you have to let go of what you think the result should be. You have to let go of what you think the result should be. It says, Lord, let your will be done. Because the beginning of the beginning, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom begins with acknowledging that He is Lord, that we are His people. That he is in control. We said in asking for in, in the how of your prayers, strength to do his will. Strength to do his will. And the reason why is because change it requires effort. And that, that work has to happen, that effort has to happen before the change happens. So we're working in unfavorable situations. We're, we're working and it doesn't look like it should be. But we continue to work. He gives power to the faint. And to them that have no might, He increases strength. We said that in, in, in your prayers that you need to, to, to in, in how to pray, you need to pray for mercy. And mercy is reserved for those that deserve judgment. And so just know that in praying for mercy, you're praying for yourself. You're also praying for your loved ones. Not because they're innocent. Not because you're innocent. But because you deserve. Because you are in need of mercy. And what is mercy? Mercy is an extension of time. Mercy is an extension of time to give for those to be converted. 
We said that in order to be long-suffering, you have to suffer. If, if you're going to be long-suffering, you have to be willing to suffer. What does that mean? You have to be willing to step out of your comfort zone. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come into repentance. Two powerful words, any and all. He's not willing that any should perish. Not just the ones that we approve of, not just the ones that favor us. Not just those that, that fit into our, our, our scheme and, and have followed our instructions. But he's not willing that any should perish. And he wants all to come into repentance. Well, what about this person? Well, what about God? Do you know what they did? Do you know what they said? Do you know how they've treated me? How they hurt me in the past? God knows. He knows what they did. He knows what they said. And he knows the hurt that they caused. And he's saying that we need to pray for mercy. Mercy is extended to those that, that are deserving of judgment. But instead of judgment, time is offered. Listen, mercy does not absolve them of their sins and their wrongdoings. Mercy does not cancel out their wrongdoings. That's what redemption is for. But what mercy does is mercy provides the place for repentance to take. For them to have a change of mind, a change of heart, and to turn to God. And we talked last week about the husbands. So this is the, this is, this is the, the how to pray. Pray for wisdom. Pray for strength. Pray for mercy. And we talked last week about the husbands in terms of what to pray for. And we gave biblical examples. This week we're going to talk uh, some more about the, uh, we're going to extend it to the wives. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. And you know where I'm going. It's the part of the Bible that you keep trying to skip over. But listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you reason to, to, to be joyful as you read this scripture. Go to Ephesians chapter 5 and we're going to start at verse 21. And it says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And so we see here that submission, it begins with submitting yourselves. And when you look at submitting yourselves, submission begins with first submitting yourselves to God. If you have not submitted yourself to God, you will not be able to submit yourself to any man. If you've not submitted yourself to God, you are not submitted to any man. It doesn't matter what kind of show or performance you put on. It doesn't matter how much makeup you put on or how you try to drape it. If you haven't submitted yourself to God, you cannot submit yourself to man. And as you submitted yourself to God, you submit, we submit ourselves to each other by the grace of God. That He gives us the power. He gives us the strength. What I love here is as it addresses the wives that it gets, it gets what I call double personal. It says, wives, submit yourselves unto 
your own husbands. He could have said, just submit yourselves to your husbands. But he says, your, your own husbands. He says, I want you to be double personal. Double personal. And what does that mean, brother? It means that you need to know who you're married to. You need to know who you are married to. Submit yourselves to your own husbands. You need to know who you're married to. Don't try to apply somebody else's situation to your marriage. Don't, don't, don't try, to, don't try to, to, in your submission, don't try to say, well, you know, it seemed like, you know, that, that Brother Deacon said this or, or the brother said this. No, no. You need to apply your submission to your own marriage. To your own marriage. Listen, just because some, just because some brothers like hot chicken, that does not mean that submission means hot chicken in your house. You need to know your own husband. You need to know who you're married to. Don't apply somebody else's situation to your home. Why? Because you married who you married. You married who you married. And so, knowing who you're married to, listen, I, you, know, you know what creates peace. You know what builds up in your home. Listen, you know what's just plain foolishness, and we'll get to that later on. You know what's plain foolishness. You know that there's some things that, that are just noise. And it's just venting. And it really doesn't mean anything. You know what the instructions are. And when it's time to guide the house, submit yourselves to your own husband as unto the Lord. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. First Timothy chapter five. And this, this particular scripture, it, it's addressing the situation of the ministration to widows in the church. And those that those that should be counted as widows and those that should not be accounted as widows. But it's actually addressing the conduct of the believers in the church. And especially the women. If you look at verse 14, it says, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children. These are, these are women that have lost their husbands. But he's, he, he's given us, he's given us to, to, to women in general. He says, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house. Give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. He says that the younger women, your, your, your role should be to, to look to please your husband, to bear children, to guide the house. And in doing this, you won't give any occasion 
for the enemy to speak reproachfully, to, 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 to make accusations against the body. And so as you're praying, you're saying, Lord, first of all, wives, in praying for submission, Lord, I need wisdom on how to submit to my husband. Lord, I, I need your strength in how to submit to my husband. Some of the things that he's asking for, I, I, I'm not really sure that, that I'm able to do. I'm not confident that I'm able to do these things. But I know through you all things are possible. Lord, I, help, me, help me in the area of mercy so that I can, I can see where I've missed it and I can move forward. Lord, help me in the area of mercy so I can see where he hasn't been the husband that I wanted him to be. But I can still submit to him as unto the Lord. As you're looking at how to guide your house, Lord, give me the wisdom on how to guide this house. How can I get this home to where you want this house to be? How can I get this home to where you want this house to be? I'm going to give you all just a quick example. So one of the things that, that I establish in my, in my house is, um, you know, I, I, I truly believe in, in, in education. I, I'm, I'm a, a huge advocate of education. And for, for my children, whenever they would, whenever they would bring um, scores home from school, I was never satisfied with an A. I was never satisfied with an A, and I definitely was not satisfied with the B. And so, you know, because I, I just felt like, and, and, and it, you know, I just felt like that there was more that could have been learned in that lesson. And so I, I, I had no, no issues with, with augmenting what was going on. And, and what I told my children is that um, for you, an A is what you're looking for, and an A is not 90%. And A is 95%. That if you're, if you're below 95%, you know that you really don't understand the subject. That you, that you need to dig in and, and, and fully comprehend what it is that you're being asked. And we would have many sessions, and you know my children can tell you, we'd have sessions where we were talking about their homework. And they were asking me questions. And, and sometimes they would be in tears. Trying to understand, I, I, I don't know if it was that, that they didn't understand the issue or they were trying to get past sharing with me that they didn't understand that particular topic. And if, if you don't have children, then, you know, wait on it. Wait on it. They're, they're, they're emotional bags, let's just say that. And some of the emotions are reasonable and some of them are, you know, they just, they just are what they are. But we continued with the lesson and we made sure that, that they understood. And so when I went into my, my son's um, room the other day, you know, I was, I was, I was just uh, something that I knew was there. It's been there for quite a while. Is that my wife has on his wall homework standards. So I expressed these things to my children. Of course, I sat down with them to work through their homework, but she wanted to make sure that, they, that my son had, had written understanding. And so just a couple of things that she, that she has on this wall. There's, there's seven things. I'm not going to give them all to you. She says, take your time. Don't rush. Number two, check your work. Number three, write neatly always. 
Now listen, everything that she has on here are things that, that, that came forth in the sessions that I had with my son as we were going through his homework. She says, you know what, let's just take away all the emotions and all the passions and we're just going to write them up there so you know exactly. And I love it. She says, these, these are the standards for homework. This is, this, is, this is what you're supposed to do when you're doing your homework. Number four, get mom or dad to check your work. These are homework standards. Write the name and date. Now listen, my son is a senior in high school. My son is a senior in high school. He says, why is this? Why, why this? This has been on his wall for several years. And there are things that he's put up on his wall, things that he's taken down from his wall. These homework standards are still on his wall. I'm going to just jump down to number seven. Always ask for help when you need it. Are these homework standards? You know, it seems like she's doing more than just giving homework standards. It seems like she's giving him a standard for how he needs to conduct his life. Number eight, remember that your mom and dad love you. And this is in all caps, always. Always. Number nine, know that God always loves you. He sees you. He knows your name. And he's always trying to get you to a place. We're talking about homework standards. Homework standards. This is what I mean by guiding your house. How do we take the simple and the natural and use that to get our house to where God wants it to be? Because it's not just about homework. It's not just about the dishes. It's not just about taking the trash out. It's about accomplishing the will of God. Now, my wife, she could have come in there when my children were in tears, not because they didn't understand the homework, but because they felt uncomfortable with needing to express that they were struggling. And she could have said, baby, leave them alone. Let them be. It's okay if they get a B. It's okay if they get a C. They're just children. They're just kids. She could have, she could have put herself as Ahab's wife, Jezebel, did and says, look, I'm going to soothe you. I'm going to content you. I'm going to satisfy you. But no, instead, she chose to guide the house to show this is what the standard is. Your dad has already expressed it. I'm going to reinforce it in my own way. It, it would not have done any good for her to try and imitate me when she was along with the children. Women and guiding your house, pray for wisdom. You're not a clone of your husband. But the message should be the same. The teaching should be consistent. In your own way, you're reinforcing the direction of the house. You know, think about as you're praying for wisdom. Listen, I'm not saying this, this, these things happen overnight. These things take years. You know, 
and, and not not for nothing, but but beneath that that those homework standards, I have no idea why this is up there. Is a certificate for academic achievement that my son has up there on on this on this wall. Okay. And and I know it doesn't mean anything, but my son is in the top five percent of his high school class. You know, and it doesn't mean anything, but my son has confessed the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. See, it's not just about homework. It's about guiding your home. In Proverbs 14, it says that every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish pluck it down with her own hands. I love it. It doesn't say that some wise women. It doesn't say that most wise women. It says the way that you know that a woman is wise is that she continuously builds her house. And you waited, the way that you know that a woman is foolish is that she tears it down with her own hands. Proverbs 24. Just look at verses 3 and 4. These are things to meditate on. It says, through wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, it's established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Listen, guiding your house, it's, it's, it's not trying to make your house a copy of somebody else's house. It's not saying, well, you have to be this because somebody else is that. Listen, we set standards for our children because we would listen to what God was saying about our children. He said, this is where they can excel. This is where they can be beneficial to the kingdom. And so we set those standards accordingly. Don't try and apply our standards to your house. Listen to what God is saying to you. Pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. Pray for strength. Pray for strength. And pray for his mercies. Go to 1 Samuel. This is one that I looked at. And, and I had to look at again. Because I, I felt like the teaching on Abigail and Nabal. I just felt like there were some nuances that were being missed. That there were nuances that were being missed. And so... Nabal, he has possessions. He, he, he's, this is a time of war where David and Saul are in open hostilities against each other. And David is in hiding. You would almost call it guerrilla warfare because he has his troops distributed and scattered. And Saul, he, he's, the, he's the formal he has to formal armies and they have to go out and try and find where David is. And what this does is this, this causes, you know, war causes disruption in the economy of the kingdom. That's why we need to get to this place of peace. Because war causes disruption in the economy of the kingdom. And there, there, there are many that would have in times of peace... But are going without because of war. 
Nabal just happens to be one who's self-sufficient. He's got lands and he's got flocks. And David's men find themselves to be in the area of Nabal's possession. And during, during a time of war, it's very common for soldiers to spoil the local residents. That means that they, they take whatever they need from those that are there. But David gives specific instructions to his men. He says, that which pertains to Nabal, his flocks that are in the field, his lands, you make sure that these things are kept safe. You make sure that these, these, these things are kept safe. And so, David's men, they come to Nabal to formally ask him for assistance. They say, we could, we could have just took what we wanted by strength. But instead, we protected all that was yours. And they come to formally ask him for assistance. And Nabal, what he does is he rails against them. He insults them. He says that they are servants, disobedient servants without masters. And his servants send a report back to David. And immediately David says, well, this doesn't make any sense. I, I protected this man and his belongings. But listen, my troops are hungry. My troops have need. We're going to kill everybody in that house and we're going to take what we need. Abigail, Nabal's wife, she gets word of this and she comes out. She comes out with supplies and provisions. And she goes to David. And what I love is that she sends the supplies and provisions before her. She sends the gift first. And then she comes into David's presence and bows herself to the ground and, and humbles herself. And she says, I know that God is with you. And, and when, when, when you've made an end to these wars, remember your handmaiden. And David has mercy on her and he has mercy on Nabal's house. And so all of this has already happened. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 25. And we're going to just jump down to verse 36. And Abigail came to Nabal. Abigail, she's left the presence of David and she comes back to her husband. And behold, he held a feast in his house like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunken. Wherefore she told him nothing, less or more, until the morning light. But it came to pass in the morning when the wine was gone out of Nabal, and his wife had told him these things, that his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. So listen, what, what, I want you, what, what I want you wives to get from this is that you have to know when to be silent and when to speak. Pray for wisdom 
and when to be silent and when to speak. Pray for strength. Pray for strength and when to be silent. You know, sometimes it, it takes everything you got not to, not to say what's on your mind and what's in your heart. Strength for when to be silent and when to speak. Pray for mercies. You need to forgive yourself because you know that you said what you shouldn't have said. When to be silent and when to speak. One thing that you need to know is that you and your spouse are one flesh. You and your spouse are one flesh. So a lot of people look at this and they say, you know, Nabal was a fool and, and Abigail was wise. And Nabal, he was a fool. He acted foolishly. But just know that you and your spouse are one flesh. Some of you would say, you know, I, I have this against my husband. Or I have that against my husband. But just know that you and your spouse are one flesh. What you have against your husband is what you have against yourself. Listen, if you really consider... If you really consider and think about it, you and your spouse are not as different as you think. You and your spouse are not as different as you think. Why do you say that, brother? Because that's your spouse. You chose that person. That means that you and that person, you were on the same page at one point in time. You all were more similar than anybody else at one point in time. You said, oh, it just seems like we're night and day, we're night and day. But you know what? That, some of those are external things. Some of those are external things. Some people would say that I'm a little extroverted and my wife is a little introverted. Yeah, you know, that's right. But if you just go be, beneath, just a little bit beneath the surface, we are more similar than we are different. We're more similar than we are different. Some people say, well, Brother Edward, you can be a little abrasive sometimes when you're talking to people. But, you, you know, your wife always has kind words. You know what? Go beneath the surface. You know, go, go beyond just asking her about this recipe or about this new exercise and really ask her for counsel about your life. And you'll find... Just like those homework standards that she's saying, look, there's a standard. There's a mark that you have to meet. And, and in telling you that, she says it in such the sweetest way that you feel like she gave you a hug. But she really just spanked your bottom. You and your spouse are not as different as, as, you, as you think you are. And so you need to understand when to be silent and when to speak. Abigail, she didn't come to her husband before she went to David. She knew that there were things that needed to be done. There was business that, that was needed to be urgently attended to. And she made sure that her house was secure. Listen, I love, she didn't go asking him for permission to get this offering together. 
She didn't go asking for permission to bring these loaves and this, and, the, and this sustenance for David's troops. She did what she needed to do. She had it within her power, and she made sure that her power was used to build her house. She didn't come and try to confront her husband when he was around all his friends and drunk. She didn't come in shaking her head and wagging her finger, saying, you ought to have done this and you should have been that. She knew when to be silent. You know one thing that, that, that Abigail knew? She knew where, where Nabal was going to wake up the next morning. She knew where Nabal was going to wake up the next morning. You want to build your house? She's like, you know what? Good morning, baby. Here's some refreshments for you. I know your head is hurting. Here's some information I thought you might want to know. We were almost killed. But I gave an offering that was accepted. And yes, Nabal is a fool, but Nabal is not the kind of fool that they talk about in Proverbs. Because in Proverbs it says that those kinds of fools, you give them wisdom and they don't even recognize it. Nabal was a fool, but he understood, he understood the truth of what she said. And his heart turned to stone. And his heart turned to stone. Listen, mothers, you're going to have to, you're going to, wives, you're going to have to, to pray on when to, when to speak and when to be silent. We're just going to push through these last few things. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, it talks about Hannah presenting her son, Samuel, to the Lord. Mothers, you're going to have to know how to give your children to the Lord. You're going to have to know how to give your children to the Lord. She said, Lord, if, if you give me this child... I love it that she says, Lord, don't forget your handmaid. I'm, I'm, your, I'm your female servant. It's your will, Lord, that I want to see accomplished. It's your desire that I want to see accomplished. She's talking to God. She says, if, if you give me this child, I'll give him to you all the days of his, of his life. Pray for wisdom, strength, and mercy in giving your children to the Lord. Listen, children, put in, your, put in your notes Ephesians 6, verses 1 and 2, where it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. To honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Children, you're going to have to pray for wisdom and how to obey your parents. Listen, these... Young children, young adults, old adults. There's, there's nothing like you're, you're 40 and they're 60. You're 40 and they're 80. And you see the condition that they're in. And you, 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 you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm in my prime, I'm in my, I'm in my strength. They, but they still have their opinions. 
And they still have their ways. Say, Lord, give me the wisdom to obey and to honor my parents. Even as they are going through their change in life, how can I honor and obey my parents? Listen, study Luke chapter 15. This is about the lost son that felt like he was entitled. And he felt like the things and the stuff would fulfill him, and it did not. It did not. Luke 15 and 18, this is where the son says, I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Children, you're going to have to learn how to ask your parents for forgiveness. You're going to have to know, you're going to have to learn and pray for wisdom, strength. Listen, I, I know you thought you were right. I know that you were ashamed of where you are. Pray for strength, pray for mercy. And forgiveness. And you know where it starts is that this this, this son he says, I, I've sinned against heaven. It starts with your relationship with God. If you can't get your relationship with God right, you'll never get your relationship with your parents right. Listen, I said that we needed to get to the place of peace. We need to be in this place of peace. In order to be effective during this season of opportunity, God, He governs the times and the seasons. God governs the times and the seasons. He has given us this season of opportunity. In Mark chapter 3, verse 24, it lets us know that a, that a house that's divided against itself, that it cannot stand. A house that is divided against itself cannot stand. This is why we must have peace in our homes. Listen, peace, it can't be imposed. Peace cannot be dictated. We can't just have the appearance of peace. True peace, true peace is only possible through Jesus Christ. True peace is only possible through Jesus Christ. Each member of the family, they need to submit themselves to the will of God. Not your own devices, not your own designs. Listen, this needs to happen for every member of the family, but most of all, it has to happen with you. Submit yourself to the will of God. Be that example that your children can see, that your wife can see, that your husband can see. Submit yourself to the will of God and seek His direction in prayer.
Amen? This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. Thank you.